want you to notice the first verses there in Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And I want to strategically stop reading right there, okay? And notice how, you know, how many gods are there? There's one, right? There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. Okay? God made it simple, alright? There's, there's one way to heaven. There's not all these many different ways. It's not complicated. Everything's simple. There's one gospel. Okay? And, and anytime you start adding things, it, that's when confusion comes in, right? You know, there's one Bible. Okay, there's one Word of God. We believe it's the King James Bible. It's not complicated. I don't have, I'm not confused when I go to the Christian bookstore and I look and I see 75 different versions of the Bible. You know, God, God only has one Word. And I believe it's the King James Bible. And, uh, we, and so, while it's very clear, we, we need to stand for these things. All right? We ought to... Uh, you know, there's, when it comes to the Word of God, it so says there's one way. There's God's way or the highway. You know, you have the people that God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, you know what? That's partially true. You know, God said it, but that settles it. Whether you believe it or not, that is irrelevant. Okay? The only way that, the only reason that matters is if you want to benefit from it. You know, if you want to go to heaven, but if you don't believe God's Word, it's still settled that it's true. That it's right. Psalm chapter 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I mean, the word, there is no gray area with the Word of God. A lot of times, you know, we talk about gray areas. You know, well, you know, I don't know if it's right or wrong. That's a gray area. You can just kind of do whatever you feel like doing, you know. And, and you know, there are some things that, you know, we personally, we don't know for sure. But, you know, with God, there is no gray area with Him. Okay, there's black and white. And God's Word is always right. That's it. That settles it. And as believers, you know, we ought to contend for the faith. It says in Ephesians 4, verse 3, it says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. A lot of times people, whenever they're calling for unity, they're basically not calling so much for unity, but for compromise. You know, we need, to, we need to learn to put aside our differences. You know, why can't all the religions just set aside their differences and all come together? Well, I'll tell you why. Because not all religions teach that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And Jesus is the only way to heaven. We can't deviate from that. You know, not all religions teach that the Word of God is the final authority. That it is pure and without error. We can't deviate from that. I can't, you can't unite with a lie. We've got, we've got to stand for truth. And Jude uh, chapter 1 and verse 3, look over there. Jude 1, 3. We've got, we've, got to stay, we've got to stay faithful in these things. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful, needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So we are to contend for the faith. We need to fight for truth. We need to stand up for truth. We are to live out our faith. In Matthew 5, it talks about letting your light so shine before men that they may see your good works 
and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're not supposed to take our Christianity and hide it. Don't hide your light under a bushel. You know, put it on a candlestick so it can give light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. We need to be very open about our faith. Okay? And we, we ought to tell other people about our faith. We were out knocking doors one day, trying to give this lady the gospel, and she just kind of stopped me and said, you know, I'm a Christian, but you know, I, I don't believe in forcing my faith on other people. And I think that's up to you know, individuals, and I don't want to talk about it. Close the door. I remember walk away thing. It's like part of our faith is to spread our faith. You know, we're supposed to be disciples, and disciples are people who go and bring forth fruit. We bring forth fruit by telling people about Jesus Christ and how they can get saved. And that's part. That's part of our faith. We're supposed to be telling other people about our faith. But it's like you know, it's you know, they have this attitude. You know, you should never, you know, criticize anyone else's religion. Okay, and I'm sorry. But if their religion is teaching a work salvation, those people are going to go to hell. And it's not that I just hate these people and I think I'm better than these people. It's just that I care about these people and I'd like to see them go to heaven. And they're not going to go to heaven if they are following a works-based system. Works-based systems don't work. Okay? It's about faith in Jesus Christ. And so we, I'm going to live out my faith. I'm going to be open about it. I'm going to be vocal about it. I don't want to be a jerk about it. I'm going to be open about it. I'm going to, you know, I put our sermons online. I try to, you know, the, whatever way I can preach and get it out there as big as I possibly can, I want to do that. Why? Because I believe in what I'm saying. I think people need to hear what I'm saying. And there's a lot of people out there, they might be scared to come enter into this church and listen that way. So you know what? They don't have an excuse. They, they can listen out there too. Maybe they can learn something. I prefer them to come in here. But you know what? Maybe... They'll hear it online first and that'll make them want to come in here. I don't know, but whatever I can do to just broadcast this message, I want to do it. You know, it's funny, we got a lot of these preachers too, you know, and, it's, and don't get me wrong when I say this, it's always the old time preachers. And you know, the word old, it sanctifies everything, all right? No matter how bad it is, no matter how stupid it is, if you, if you add old to it, you know, it makes it okay. I remember one time a preacher was over eating dinner, and uh, he was a guest speaker and he was eating dinner and he said something about the Schofield Bible. I remember my dad was like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm not real big on the commentary Bible. And he's like, well, I'm not talking about the new school. I'm talking about the old Schofield. You know, and if you put, when you put old, then that just sanctifies it. That just, that just makes it good. But listen, I am for the old time way, depending on how you define it. But at the same time, you know, those old, you know, whenever they talk about the old time preachers, one they like to bring up all the time is Oliver B. Green. Well, you know how Oliver B. Green got big? The radio. He had a huge radio ministry. And that's great. If you're on the radio, that's great. That's old time. But, you know, these new guys using the Internet and using YouTube and stuff like that, I'm thinking, you know, old time ways better. Yeah, well, here's the thing. We tried the radio, and it cost a lot of money, and nobody heard it. You know, and so, you know, it's we're in a new age. We're in a new era. And I personally think what we're doing using these things is the old time way like Oliver B. Green. You know, he used the best technology he had for that time, and we've got something better, and we're using it. And it's 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 funny when you listen to these people say that, and they, you know, like, well, you know, why are you trying to do that? You know, why are you trying to get? Because I believe in what I'm saying. I want to get it out there. Because you know what? I can't afford a TV program like the TVN people spreading their false junk. 
And they're getting their junk in everybody's head. All the false prophets, they have all these things that are getting out there. And you know what? I want to combat that. Because I believe in what, what I preach here. I believe in what the Word of God teaches. And there is. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And a lot of people are going on a road that's going to lead them to hell. And whatever I can do to stop that, I want to do. And whether that be the internet or, or radio or TV. I, I do TV if I could if I could afford it. But um, in, the meantime, in the meantime, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to be very vocal about my faith. I'm not, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to pass for protective sermons. I'm not going to pay, make people pay a fee, a monthly fee to be able to watch our stuff. Uh, I'm not going to do that. You know what? The things I learned, I learned for free. Freely you receive, freely get. I'm going to give it out for free. And you know what? If more preachers would start preaching the truth for free and getting it out there for free, you know what? All these people that are charging, it'll put them out of business. And nobody will care about them anymore. And then they won't be so tempted to make merchandise of their message and compromise the message. And we, we've, got, we've got to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to teach others about our faith. Okay, Whosoever will do these least commandments and teach others also shall be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But if we're going to break those least commandments and teach others to do so. The Bible says we're going to be least in the kingdom of heaven. That's what it teaches in Matthew chapter 5. So we're going to do these things. We're going to stand up for truth. We're going to be vocal about it. We're going to make a lot of noise. And maybe even rock the boat a little bit sometimes. That, that's what we ought to do. And while all these things are important, though, while all these things are important, there are some things we've got to remember in this. All right? So notice I stopped reading in verse 6. Okay? Look, go back to Ephesians 4. I need to turn back there. So, you know, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And it's real easy for us sometimes because of the fact that, you know, we, we, we figured it out. Okay, we've figured it out that we've got the right Bible. We've got the right Word of God. We're following the right God. We've got the right doctrine. We've figured all those things out, but it's easier for us, it's easy for us sometimes to get lifted up because of that and to start getting a little pompous and thinking we're a little bit better than everybody. And notice after he said all these things, he says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of of the gift of Christ. Right there. So we've all noticed on all these things, we have all been given grace. You know what that tells me? That tells me that I'm included in that. That God is being gracious to me. So while, yeah, I've got the right Lord, I've got the right baptism, I'm pretty sure, okay, I, I, would, I am not so bold as to get up here and tell everybody that, you know what, when it comes to my doctrine on everything, I'm 100% right. Okay? I'm not ready to make that claim yet, okay? I think anybody does make that claim, we probably ought to worry about that person a little bit. Because you know what? I keep, finding, I keep finding myself learning new things. I keep finding myself, you know, when studying the Bible, noticing things in the Scriptures that contradict stuff that I have said before. And I hate when that happens, but, you know, it, it happens a lot. And sometimes, it's, I've seen this before, you know, we do. We learn something that we didn't know before, and then all this, and I've seen this with other preachers before. They've, they've been a pastor for 30 or 40 years. And they learn something that they never noticed before. And it's like now every preacher that doesn't start teaching what they just learned is a terrible preacher. And it's like, okay, so were you a terrible preacher for 30 or 40 years? You know what? How about you give people a little bit of grace? 
Because while it's easy for us, any of us can go find some preacher out there, or any of us, you could find some other Christian out there that is way off on a lot of things. The truth is, you were there at one time yourself too. You're still growing, hopefully. You're still getting closer to Christ. You're learning new things. And the thing we need to ask ourselves sometimes is, you know, was I a wicked person five years ago? Or was I somebody who was sincere, just didn't know a lot, but I was seeking for the truth? We need to think about these things and show some grace because while, and that's another thing too I see sometimes, people they get into church, they start learning about the things of God, they'll start learning about standards and convictions in their lives, and all of a sudden, maybe they will apply a, stand, a standard to their life that many people in the church have or one that the pastor has. And literally, six months ago, they were doing these very things before. Now they don't do them anymore. And now everybody in the world who is doing those things is just scum. And they'll criticize them. And they'll badmouth them. And they'll gossip about them at church. Now, did you notice what she was wearing in church? Well, did you know that you were wearing that two months ago? You know? How about you give them a little bit of space? How about you give them a little bit of grace? And we get that attitude sometimes. We do. We start getting built up and we get so caught up on just the contending for the faith and just fighting everybody that we forget about being a little bit gracious. Because I'm telling you, we need this and we're going to continue needing this with the people that we're getting saved. We're going to constantly be having new people coming here that are new Christians. And you know what? They're going to come with some baggage. They're going to come with some serious issues. And a lot of times what's dangerous is when you have a church that's full of people that have been saved for 30 and 40 years, they forget what it was like to be a new Christian. They forget what it's like to even be lost. And, you know, some, some of us, too, we don't even really know what it's like. You know, people like me, I grew up in a Christian home. Even though I didn't start out saved, I grew up living like a Christian should live. I was, I was taught that from a baby, and I'm thankful for that. But at the same time, it's easy for somebody like me to look at what's going on in the world and look what people are doing. Like, you know, why would anybody do that? Why would anybody even consider that? Why would anybody even think about that? You know, and it's easy to start getting a very lifted up attitude. And we need to understand that in our current condition, all right? I'm sorry, everyone. In your current condition you're in right now, God is still being gracious to you. There are plenty of things in your life right now that God could look at and just be like, you know what? Forget you. There's a whole list of issues. I don't think I have any of those. I don't know what my issues are. Well, you know what? Just ask around in the church. And anybody, you know, anybody who knows you could tell you. And don't ask that unless you're ready for, you know, ready for some, some tough, tough things to hear. Okay? But that, that is reality. And so, you know, be, besides Christ, there is no perfect example of someone's faith who is without fault in, it, in any area. Anybody, you know, throughout the Bible, some of the greatest characters, you can see people in there. They had faults. They had issues. They had low points. They made mistakes. They messed up. And other than Jesus Christ, there is no perfect example. And so notice he says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Every one of us, we got saved because we received a free gift. None of us earned it. Well, it's like, well, how much did that gift you know, cost? You know, and, and the truth is, you know, there is no way to measure you know, how much that we could act accurately measure how much grace God has given each of us. Okay? You know, there, there's, no, there's no way that we can possibly accurately do that. God has been gracious to all of us. Well, how gracious? As gracious as we needed, as He needed to be. 
And that, that's all we need to know. Well, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was a whole lot harder for God to say Brother John than it was, you know, to say, you know, to say Brother Renee. You know, you, you don't know that, okay? And you have no way to measure that up accurately and to figure that out. In the end, what you need to understand is it took grace to save you. And it takes God's grace to put up with you in your current condition. So, having, you know, having said all that, understanding what Christ did, understanding how gracious He was. Notice what it says in verse 8. It says, Wherefore He said, when He ascended up on high, He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that verse right there, captivity captive, I've preached on this before, but it needs to be repeated because it's... Some of the weirdest doctrines are preached in that verse. Okay, notice it says he led captivity captive. Well, what's that talking about? Well, what that's talking about is when Jesus died on the cross, he went down into the good part of hell where the believers were. And he went down there, spent a few days with them, and then he brought them out of there and took them to heaven. You say, where'd you get that from? Well, most preachers get it right from there where he led captivity captive. Really, just from that, it didn't say anything else about that in Ephesians. Uh, what does that mean? And, you, and actually, to, to fully understand what he's talking about here in Ephesians, you kind of have to read all four chapters and right there is where we lose most Baptists because they can't focus on more than one verse at a time. We're not going to do that. But Colossians, tell, I believe it tells us briefly what it's talking about. Turn over to Colossians chapter 2. This is important that we understand this. This is so important that we, that we get this. And I cannot believe how people have taken that verse and went into some weirdo doctrine that doesn't even make sense, missing what it's really teaching that is a great lesson that we all need to remember. But Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So right there, that's kind of a brief statement of what he was covering in Ephesians. What that's talking about when it says he led captivity captive, there were things that we had, even physically, that were working against us, that were keeping us from being a part of the people of God. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, it mentions his death, burial, and resurrection right here. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, those, uh, those ordinances, those sins, those things that we violated, those things that we committed, Jesus Christ defeated those things. He fulfilled those, he, those ordinances that were against us. And he went and he conquered those things that were stopping us from going to heaven. Our sin, the transgression of the law, the things that we've done wrong in our flesh, all of those things, Jesus Christ went and he took those things and he nailed them to the cross. And when Jesus died and when he was buried and when he rose again, 
He led captivity captive. In other words, he conquered those things that were keeping us from God. The things that would keep us from going to heaven, Jesus Christ conquered those things for us. What that's saying is the things that saved us, all right, what saved us is the work of Jesus Christ, not our own works. And it was God's, God had to shed his grace on us abundantly in order for us to do that because of the fact that we did nothing to earn our salvation. Jesus Christ did everything. And the very fact that he did everything, the very fact that he died on the cross and paid for our sins would have justified him even more if he wanted to let us go to hell for it. But he didn't do that. What has he done? He said, you know what? I paid for your sins. And you know what? If you will believe in me, I will freely give you the gift of salvation. I conquered your enemies. I conquered your sin. I conquered those ordinances that were against you. I made a show of them openly. In other words, not only did he defeat them, I mean, he defeated them big time. He absolutely destroyed those things. And that's what it means when it says he led captivity captive. And what did we do? Put our faith and trust in Christ. Big whoop. You realize what little you did to get saved? That's why the Bible says we're saved without works. By grace through faith, without works. Unless any man should boast. You know, forbid it, Lord, that I should glory. Save in the cross. Anyone who would brag about their salvation or brag on themselves because they're going to heaven obviously is not saved or they do not understand salvation at all. Because we did nothing to get saved. Jesus Christ did everything. All we did is put our faith and trust in Him. And that grace that He gave us, He shed on us abundantly. And having said all that, understanding all that, it should cause it that should that right there gives us permission to be really really gracious with other people. Okay, I mean think think about it. You know, in, in your life, we've all seen this before, and, and a lot of times it's with bad things. Okay, so for example, you know, dads. All right, you know, dads they obviously uh, you know carry a lot of weight and a lot of influence with their kids, and a lot of times parents doing something it gives permission many times for the kids to do something all right that's why parents you know don't go drinking and smoking and chewing and all that stuff and then telling your kids you shouldn't do this all right the very fact that you do it it kind of justifies it to them does it doesn't it and we do that with bad stuff all the time it's like we see our parents do it or even many times too in a church you know the pastor does this therefore it's okay i can i can do this because the pastor does it all right and that's not always a good thing to do either okay but understand, when it comes to being gracious with people and giving people a pass and loving people when they don't deserve it, you all realize we can completely justify that because of the fact that Jesus did that for us. And not only did Jesus do that for us, he wants us to do that for other people too. He wants us to be gracious with people. He wants us to, uh, you know, just to be willing to love people who don't deserve it. And so we do. It's real easy many times for us to get all focused in this passage on the one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We're right. You're all wrong. And not have any patience, not have any grace with other people. But notice too, you know, but then everybody wants to stop reading at verse 6. They don't want to read the part where he says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And it's like we do. We've got this statue. Well, it probably didn't take that much grace to save me. Man, 
You're probably not saved if that's how you feel. You obviously don't understand your sin. You don't understand how wicked you are. He, it took grace. And you know what? I don't need to know how much. I just know that it took a lot. Bob talks about according to the riches of His grace. Okay? He was abundant in mercy towards me. And said, so you know what? I'm pretty sure that I'm not capable. In fact, I'm dead sure that I am not capable of being more gracious to somebody else than God was to me. I, I, I don't think it's even possible for us to do that. Therefore, I should feel free to be very gracious with people and to be very loving and caring. And if people have a fault, I don't have to make it my mission and my responsibility you know, to straighten them out. They're going to be worthy to be my friend. And, we, and we've, got, we've got that attitude. But notice what it says to in verse 2. We, all, we forget this part too. Before he mentions those things, you know, he, he tells, tells them to walk worthy of the vocation worth we are called with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. So notice that first thing, that lowliness. So because we, because of this grace, we ought to be this, with other people, we ought to have a lowly mind. But you know what happens in church? And I hope this never happens in our church. I, I, you know, I want y'all, I hope everybody here grows. I hope y'all get really spiritual. Okay, I really want to do that. But you know what? I hope we don't ever become one of these churches where 100% of us are just way up on the spiritual level. You know, because that means we quit reaching people. And we need to be constantly reaching people. There ought to always be people, you know, of all different spiritual ages in the church. Because what happens, you get these churches where it's like 100% of the people are just way up here. And all of a sudden, and when I say way up here, I'm saying according to our standards, you know, and how we look at things. Because then you get that new convert that comes in and man, he just can't fit in in that church. And everybody looks down on them, and everybody's wanting to try to change, you know, everybody's buying them clothes, not because they need it, but because they don't like how they dress, you know, making our church look bad, you know. And they start dropping all these hints and just trying to change all these outward things instead of just loving the people, you know, trying to set a good example for the people and trying to teach them the truth and love. You know, why don't we have a lowly mind? I'll look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. Philippians chapter 2. In verse 3, says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You know, that's going to, part of being gracious is we do, we've got to see ourselves as low. If you're one of these people, you're always trying to rank yourself in the church and rank other people, you've got a problem. You need to put yourself on the bottom. You need to see yourself as low. We need to, we need to be reminded sometimes of what we were saved from. We need to think back about that back in those days. You know, and it's like we don't mind saying we're all sinners in general. Yeah, amen, we're, we're all sinners. But boy, a lot of times things change. You, you, can go, you can go to the most liberal, charismatic, you know, warm, fuzzy feeling church in the world. And if the preacher get up and say, we're all sinners. Everybody's like, yep, yep, that's great. Because he basically just put us all together, right? We're all equal. But that same preacher... Better not get specific on sins. You know, y'all are sinners and here's why you're sinners. Some of y'all were doing, you know, you were doing this, you were watching this TV program, you're dressed this way, you're doing that. You know, you, you, when you get specific, that's when everybody loses their mind. But how are people supposed to know that they're sinners unless they, when they don't know what sin is? People have got to know what sin is. We've got to open up the Bible. We've got to show them those verses, you know. 
that uh, you know, woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, and a man neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are an abomination. Now that's not a very popular verse today, especially in the transgender culture that we're seeing. But and I'm sorry, that is an abomination. We got to get specific on those things. And people, a lot of times people they don't want to hear that. But you know what? We need to see ourselves. We ought to want to be reminded of our sin. You know why? Because maybe it'll help keep us humble. Maybe it'll help remind us. You know, if, I, if we're reminded of our sins, maybe we won't be as quick to remind everybody else about their sins all the time. We'll have a lowly mind. That needs to be the attitude that we have. Also, it mentions meekness. With all lowliness and meekness. We need to remember, uh, we need to remember that we're prone to error ourselves. Look what it says in Galatians Chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... That's me, right? That's me, alright? Somebody's overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. I think he's calling on me right there. Alright? I, 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 I'm ready to step up to the plate. Alright? Just show me the fault, show me the person, and I'll go help him out. But notice what it says. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself... Lest thou also be tempted. So, okay, so when somebody messes up, you know what attitude we ought to have? Okay, if, I, if somebody in this church, they go and they do something really bad. I mean, they, they, do, they, they do something that's really bad. I shouldn't have this attitude of that scumbag, you know? Alright, Pastor Tommy, what's our process of throwing people out of the church? I think it's time to start the procedure on this guy. You know what we ought to do? Our goal ought to be to restore them and with meekness because we've got the statue here. You know what? I could see that happening to me if I'm not careful. I could easily see that if I do not, if I don't watch out for myself, if I don't stay close to God, I could see myself doing that. Considering ourselves, thinking about you know what if what if that was me? What if I was the one that did that? What if I was the one that made that mistake? How would I want people to handle me in that situation? And you know what? When it comes to that, I think it's okay for us to be gracious. You know, the Bible taught, you know, everybody's favorite verse in the Bible, or not even favorite, favorite verse, favorite phrase in the Bible that everyone has memorized, judge not, judge not, judge not. You know, everybody loves that one. Well, what the reason it's talking about that, it's talking about hypocritical judgment, but it's, it's a warning in there, not that, no, don't judge because you're going to hurt the person you're judging, it's saying, it's saying, with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. Just a warning. Hey, the way you judge other people's way, you're going to be judged. Well, I want the Lord to be super merciful with me. I want Him to be really gracious. I want Him, when I mess up and I do wrong, to instead of punishing me, give me a blessing instead. You know, that's, that's what I want. So you know what? I need to do that with other people. I want the Lord to help me. So you know what? I'm going to help other people. Whenever, and that ought to be our attitude. When we see other people messing up, when we see a fault in somebody's life, let's not you know, figure out and start the process of getting them thrown out of the church. Let's start thinking about what if that was me and have that attitude. That could be me. And you have a spirit of meekness. That you know what? I'm going to handle this carefully. Because you know what? The day may come where I'm the one that's being faced with this. Today, it was Brother Renee that messed up. But tomorrow, it could be me. And so, you know what? I'm going to make sure that if I have part in this, this is going to get handled good. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't want to ever... Uh, if I find myself in that situation, I don't, want to, I don't want to drop the hammer on me too hard. Look what it says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 24. 
It says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. And that's, that's tough teaching. When I taught in the school, it would really annoy me sometimes at how slow kids learned. It was just like, you know. And uh, it, it, it's hard. But you know what? We've got to be patient. Some people are slow learners. That's all there is to it. There, they're slow learners. And look at this. Verse 25. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance under the knowledge, uh, acknowledging of the truth. In meekness, instructing. Okay? That, that's the attitude we've got to have with people. We've got to have a meek attitude. That, you know, we're going to have this attitude that, you know what, I'm prone to error. This could be me. You know, I was a slow learner at one time. It took me a long time to get one over in this area. And I'm, and I'm the same way, too. Even when it comes to a lot of the end time stuff, sometimes I'll explain to people what the Bible says. And it's like, dude, how stupid are you that you can't get it? But then i got to be reminding myself, you know what, it took me three years. Three years. I'm embarrassed by that. But, you know, it, it, it took me three years. It's not, And it's not so much that I'm a slow learner. It's just you get kind of stubborn sometimes and set in your ways and you don't want to change. But you know what? I'm glad the Lord didn't give up on me. I'm glad the Lord you know, kept teaching me and didn't just say, you know what, three years. It doesn't take three years to learn this stuff. Forget you. You know what? He put up with me for the three years. And finally, after submitting, you know, it just all became real clear. But, man, you know, I, I have to remind myself of that sometimes when people are kind of slow. But, yeah, three years from the time I was challenged to the time I came around, three years. I'm ashamed of that. I'm embarrassed by that. But, I ha- but it's something, though, I constantly have to remind myself of when often I challenge people and they don't change overnight. It took me three years, so you know what? You better at least give people three years. But after three years, I'm dropping the hammer on these people. No, it's not. It's just in, uh, you know, it could have taken me four. I, I think God probably would have been gracious for another year, but I, I don't know. I'm glad I didn't push it. But it, but we need to be long-suffering. It mentions there, uh, it says, you know, in, me, uh, in um, meekness, lowliness, long-suffering. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12 it says, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Um, or that's not, I'm in chapter 2. Chapter 3, I'm sorry. Colossians chapter 3. It's like, I already read that passage. My scriptures are all over the place today. 3 and verse 12. It says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering." forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. It mentions long-suffering. It mentions forbearing one another. Both of those things were mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4 when it's talking about all these things. You, we've got to have these attitudes of being long-suffering. We don't just give up after one try. Okay? We've, not, we've knocked all the doors and thrown in rock balls. We've done it more than once. Okay? Well, we did it once. We're all good. Soul winnings, done. You know? No, we're gonna, we'll do it again because not everybody answers the door. And not everybody gets saved the first time you talk to them. Most of you in here probably didn't get saved the first time somebody gave you the gospel. Some people do, but some, many people don't. And we need to be long suffering. We need to keep trying. You know, we shouldn't be too quick to label people reprobate. It's like, and sometimes, too, people do. They're just way too quick 
to call somebody a reprobate. Because, you know, it makes it easy. If they're a reprobate, I don't got to worry about them anymore, right? But it's like, a lot of times, it's like we want to make everybody reprobate. That way, it just makes our job easy. I don't have to worry about that person. But you know what? Don't be quick to do that. I think we ought to be slow to label somebody a reprobate. Really slow. I mean, may, we, I think we ought to make him prove it, personally. But it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you know what? Since God doesn't put a big old reprobate stamp on people's head when they become reprobate, you know what? I believe what the Bible teaches about reprobates, but man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be gracious to a fault when it comes to people. And I'm, I mean... I'm going to practically have to see a reprobate stamp on their forehead before I give up on them. And I think that ought to be our attitude. Well, I don't know. I think you're being too gracious. Well, I don't know if that's possible to be too gracious. I mean, I guess it could be in certain areas. But to me, as long as we're not compromising on anything, you, know, you don't have to compromise to be gracious. You can be firm in your beliefs and still be gracious. That, that is very possible. Think about how gracious God is to, it, to us. And does God compromise? Was Jesus compromising? Absolutely not. Jesus never sinned at any point and yet was gracious and loving. So it, it can easily be done. But forbearing one another in love, uh, Colossians 3.13 mentioned it, Ephesians 4 mentioned it. And there, there's, some, some, there's some things we just need to put up with in people. You know, there's just some people, there's certain things we're just not going to fix about them. You know, there's uh, people are gonna they're gonna have issues, and and you know what? I mean, they might come out of it. There's some people I know they've been dealing with the same problems and singing the same blues for 30 years. So I don't think these people are ever gonna fix their problem. But you know what? We need to be forbearing. In other words, we need to put up with people. We need to put up with some stuff. Okay, if you're gonna be a member of this church with as many people as we have here, somebody in this church is going to annoy you. And you know what you need to do? You need to put up with it. There's going to be something you don't like. I'm going to have some bad habits. I'm going to have some things that I do. And, you know, every once in a while my wife will point out one of my little habits and things. And I hate when she does that because then I'm all nervous about it, you know. And, uh, you know, you, you shouldn't do that, Brother Tom. That's a bad habit. I'm, I'm sorry, you know. I've been doing it this way for years. I don't know if I can stop. I'm not going to bring up what any of those things are because I don't want you all noticing in case you haven't noticed. But you know what you ought to do? You ought to put up with it. Um, I'm not going to that church. You know, he stutters too much. You know, you know, we need to put up with some things. You know, I don't like his face. I don't like you know, I, uh, the glare off his forehead. I'm just you know, put up with some stuff. All right, wear sunglasses. If, it, if it's that bad, we, we're just going to have we're going to have to do that. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And you know what? You, every one of you in here, you're probably the one that somebody's got to put up with. All right. So you keep that in mind. And that's that whole meekness, that lowliness of mind, esteeming other better than themselves. While I have this person in the church that drives me crazy, I better be nice to him because I'm probably one of the people in the church that drives somebody else crazy. And I don't want them throwing me out of the church. So you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to be nice to them. The people that bother me or the people that if I bother somebody, how would I want them to handle it? Well, I want them to give me 20 bucks. You know, so <laughs> go give them 20 bucks. I know that, you know that might a little be extreme there, but that should be the way we think. That should be our attitude. And that's what he's saying in here. And you know, someday we're all going to be in unity and agreement and everything. One of these days we're all going to be like Christ. 
God has been merciful to us when we've been in error, and God is still being merciful to us right now. So you know what? Why don't we be merciful to others that are in error? Why, why can't we do that? We have permission. Jesus Christ does that. Okay? Don't ever do that. Don't ever say it's okay to do something because Pastor Tommy does it. Don't ever do that. But you know what? Go ahead and do it all the time when it comes to what Jesus Christ does. So you know what? It's okay for me to be gracious. It's okay for me to overlook this fault. It's okay for me to love this person anyway. Because you know what? Jesus does that. Jesus did that for me. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead and be gracious. We don't have to be the Gestapo Baptist Church. You know, where we're like just checking every little thing and just, you know, coming down hard on everybody all the time. You know, we don't have to join up with error. But we should continue to love people who are in error and continue being kind. And I, I'll see it as we as we see people getting saved, as people are coming and growing, we better have this attitude. And there's there's a lot of things that takes away from that, and that be that's another subject for for another day. But I, I do I believe that this is one of the things that it disappears from churches sometimes. As people grow, they forget about these things, and we've always got to have this mindset. If we're going to continue to grow and continue to please God, God has been gracious to us. We have no reason to not be gracious to other people. So with that, let's pray dear Lord. We thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for being gracious to us and for being merciful, Lord. There's, there's no doubt we don't deserve it. Even today, dear God, we still today deserve to go to hell. But you're being gracious to us. You love us. You prepared a place in heaven for us. One of these days you're going to come back. And you're going to get us. We do not deserve that. And your God, I pray you'll help us uh, with with the, without compromise, Lord. We will never compromise, but we will always uh, be gracious to other people, to be loving, to be kind, to be caring. And I pray you'll help us in that. In your name we pray. Amen. Well,